Thank you, guys. Oh, it feels good to be home. We really missed you guys. Um, just to say for next Sunday evangelism time uh, that Stephanie will be leading, bring your packed lunch to church because it's going to happen straight after the meeting. So um, at 1230, um, you guys will have a little bit of training time with Stephanie where she'll just give helpful parameters of how to do this stuff. So if you've never gone on the streets and spoken to people about Jesus you don't need to feel worried or nervous about it because Stephanie's going to give you some really practical tools that day uh, to be able to just go and love on people, which is what evangelism is about. It's about loving people. So um, bring your packed lunch next week so that you can eat while you get trained up and then at one o'clock you'll hit the streets. Can I just move some stuff here because I feel very um, boxed in. Wonderful, thank you. Um, just to extend my own welcome, because I can see some faces um, that are new here this morning. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. At the end of the meeting, I'm going to be in the foyer near the big sign that says new here, I think is what that sign says. Um, please come and find me. Please come and say hi. I'd love to speak to you. I love me meeting the people who come and visit us. So um, if I haven't got to speak to you yet, please come and say hello. This morning, I am continuing our series on Acts. How many of you have been here for any of the meetings that we've done on Acts? Okay, some of you. For some of you, this is new. Welcome. You're coming into a series on the book of Acts. Um, we've had a few really fun weeks of going through just some themes that you find through the book of Acts. The first week we looked at promise and how the Holy Spirit is promised to every believer. We looked at power, how the Holy Spirit brings power to every believer. We looked at prayer in the community. Jess did an amazing preach a couple of weeks ago um, all about praying, being a praying community. We looked a couple of weeks back now at persecution and how that is a reality for the people of God, but how God is so present and ministers to us in times of persecution. And today we get to look at people, being the community of God. What does it look like? Everywhere you look at, you can open the book of Acts anywhere you like. It is filled with with people because God loves to use his people to minister to and through his people. Don't you love that God is relational? That this isn't about some kind of like robotic system. God could have made you a robotic slave to his purposes. He could have made you not far less than human. He could have made you just a robot to minister to him, to worship him. If, if that was his primary desire, just to have more creatures inflating his ego he could have done it in a much easier way than creating humans with all the complexity and the disobedience and trouble that we cause okay which is true if you don't think you cause trouble i'm just going to tell you you cause trouble if god wanted to do things efficiently he would not use you and he would not use me the purpose of creating humanity wasn't to make some kind of efficient system that would inflate his ego he created humanity because he's relational because he loves loving on and relating to people. That's why he made you. And so the book of Acts isn't primarily filled with principle after principle or law after law that they followed. It's full of people, very human. Some of the stories are stories of things that didn't go right. People having arguments, people not believing in others and then being proven wrong later on. We're going to speak to Paul about John Mark at some point in, in heaven, I'm sure. But anyway, the point is, 
The point, are you glad that your life isn't being documented in, <laughs> in scripture so that millions of Christians can learn from your successes and mistakes anyway? But the point of the book of Acts is that it's, it's real human beings learning how to walk out a very real internal faith into something that comes out of them. Your relationship with God was never intended to be something that you neatly wrap up in your heart so that nobody around you will be able to tell if you know God or not. That's not how it works in scripture. What happens is people encounter Jesus. They get overwhelmed by him. They get transformed inside out. It's something that progresses, yes, starts in our hearts, but progresses to our everyday realities. And that's what we find in the book of Acts. I'm, I'm excited to talk about people this morning, being the people of God. And this is going to be a very simple message. I want to be clear on this. You're not going to hear me say anything that you've not heard before in all likelihood. But as I often say, don't allow something that's simple to make you think that it's something that's easy. Simplicity doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, I believe if we really lay hold of what we're going to talk about today and we really digest it through the week, each one of us will walk away provoked and challenged because this is something for all of us to grow in. And I'm excited about that for me and I'm excited about that for us as a community. So I'm going to talk about the me we and you of being the people of God. When you look at the book of Acts, you see uh, again and again this consistent theme when you're looking at how people are relating and how people are walking out their faith, that there's a very dynamic personal element, the me of being part of the people of God, how people relate very intimately and personally with Jesus. And we're going to look at that together. Then there's a component that is equally as important. I want to say all three of these components are equally crucial to being elements of the people of God. You, there's this really beautiful reality of the we, of all of us together. You see this again and again, the community gathering together and being the people of God together. And there are some things that are a reality in the we that cannot be a reality in the me. There are some things that are a reality in the me that cannot be a reality in the we. We're going to talk about this. There's differences, but all components are important. And then there's a very real thread of the you, where it's not about me or it's not about us. It's not primarily what's going to come back to me, but it's actually very much an outward giving, the reality of the you being the people of God and me willing to lay down my life, lay down my resources, lay down anything that's important to me in order to minister to the you in the community and outside. And so we're going to look at this really simple. But what I'm praying for all of us this morning is that God provokes us. For each of you, spoiler alert to the end of the sermon, you'll all switch off now. Don't switch off, please don't. But what I'm praying is that God really provokes us in different elements of this. Some of us are going to hear today and be like, I'm I've really got the me element. God's really working in me. His Holy Spirit has empowered me for this. But actually the we, the community, the fellowship, the us, that's something that's missing in my life. 
I'm not investing in that. And God's going to provoke that. Some of you, you're great at community, great at being with one another, great at the you. But when I talk about the me, you'll see that you've lost intimacy with Jesus and have tried to replace that with an extra element of community. The problem is all three are essential ingredients. You cannot miss one and still come up with the same result. I remember years ago, I was in cooking class at school, which is hilarious because if you, I know, exactly, <laughs> really, rude. <laughs> Julian said, really? Which is rude, true and fair and justified, but rude. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was in cooking class at school, which was something that we were forced to do and I was not very good at, as the story is going to show you. We were baking a cake and every week they would kind of give us the recipe and you'd go home and get all the ingredients together and then come and the teacher would teach us how to cook this stuff. It was kind of fun. It was easier than other classes. Anyway, you would think. So I had all my neatly packaged goods from home that I'd prepared and the only thing you're meant to do is follow the step-by-step -step guide. So that's what I did, followed the step-by-step -step guide. Put this, we were making a beautiful cake. Put the cake in the oven at school. Now we're all kind of hanging around, talking together until I realized there's, there's a, a Tupperware on my work surface that it remains unopened and is still full of the ingredient that was inside of it. And I'm like, did I miss a step? Yes, turns out I missed the butter step. <laughs> all of the butter that was meant to be in the cake is now still in the how how I could have missed an entire section and thought that I'd make my cake came out flat as a pancake and my teacher was like what did you do wrong I was like I am missing a crucial element and that's what many of us are doing with our walk with Jesus we think as long as I add more flour it doesn't matter that I don't have the butter try to do that with a cake recipe and see how good your cake turns out as long as I add just a couple more eggs no one needs to know that there's no sugar in this no one's gonna want to eat that thing it's not gonna be good and that's what we're doing with our walk with Jesus the Bible has laid out a very simple recipe of ingredients that he's saying to us it's not for you to pick and choose which one of these you'd prefer and which one of these you'd rather double up on and which one of these you don't really like so you're going to do away with. I don't really like people I'm an introvert so I'm going to do the me of the kingdom the we and the you isn't really going to happen I'm going to come late to church and I'm going to leave early why because I'm doing the me with Jesus I'm tripling that ingredient but the rest doesn't work you have to have all of the elements to come into full maturity and this is why I believe in the I'm preaching now this isn't in my notes but we're going here this is why I believe there are many immature Christians running around doing a whole lot of damage in the world today it's not their intention to do damage but if you refuse to mature by the growing of your years some are like I've been a Christian 20 years then why do you act like a three-year-old Time isn't the issue, it's maturity. Time should lead to maturity. 
But some of us are so insistent that we'll use the ingredients in the way we see fit. We're consistently immature and therefore have destructive habits because we're behaving like toddlers who throw tantrums when their needs aren't met. It's appropriate when you're three. It's not appropriate when you're 23. So we've got to take all the ingredients. We've got to say, Lord Jesus, let this apply to my heart, not my heart shape this in order to come out with something I like. That's called making God in your image. That idol will not lead you to maturity. We've got to allow this, the living and active word, to shape us, to change us. Is it easy? No. Is it crucial? Yes. I wasn't going to go here today, but I am. I want to say, I've been watching on social media Christians releasing posts that are full of immaturity, but they're couching it in wisdom and discernment. You and I live in a social media age. I get that. We've got to grow in, in wisdom of how to discern what we see. There are people on social media, followers of Jesus, who are saying things like, I just need to expose this person for what they've done because this is true Christian accountability. That is a lie. That shows their immaturity. No matter what sin has been committed by anybody, we have to follow the biblical pattern of how we deal with sin. The biblical pattern isn't find a platform anywhere. Obviously, they didn't have social media, but they did have platforms. The biblical pattern isn't find a platform, yell loudly to expose someone's sin because that's what true justice looks like. That's not what it looks like in the Bible. So when you see a post, when someone's saying the church needs to be better at exposing hurt, so I'm going to tell you what so-and-so did so that we can keep them accountable, turn it off. That's not godly maturity. What that person is doing is unbiblical. Whilst they say, discern this for yourself, yeah, discern it, switch it off. My discernment says, what you're doing is unbiblical. I don't need to hear any further. I want to say to you guys how we engage on social media, how we engage in real life says much more about our maturity than the verses we can quote. How it translates, how many of these ingredients you've allowed to shape you rather than you Picking the ones you like is going to determine your maturity in God. I'm provoked by this. I don't want to be someone who's forever sitting on church pew saying, well, I've been a Christian for 35 years now, so you've got to listen to me. No, time doesn't determine whether I should be listened to. It's my growth in Jesus, my humility to learn from him, my willingness to lay down my desires and say, teach me again, Lord Jesus, what does it look like to be like you? Okay, this was all by way of introduction. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good intro. The me. Okay, let's just read a couple of verses. We're just, this is going to be our springboard. Acts 2.42. And they, talking about the community of God, devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. We're going to talk about that in a second. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. If you ever want to plant a church, that's a really good recipe to plant a church. Teaching, fellowship, 
breaking bread, prayers, really good way. And awe came upon every soul. How they did community radically impacted the atmosphere, and we'll see later, radically brought souls home. It's, it's a strong arm of evangelism, how we do community, how we do the me, we, and you. Okay. And all came upon every soul, many wonders and signs. It attracts the miraculous, how we do community, were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, notice their Christianity looked like being in the temple and being in their homes. The we has more than a Sunday morning context. They were the temple, they were in their homes. Breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number as they did the me, we, and you of community. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There are so many treasures in here. I want to just pull out a couple of things and then we'll focus specifically on those three words that I said before. But firstly, I want to say they devoted themselves. There's something that we are called to as people of the kingdom that isn't about my preferences, but is a willingness to pursue something that we see in scripture. Some of these guys had jobs. Some of these guys were still in school. Some of these guys had things to do. Sometimes we read the Bible like all of these guys were on permanent vacation. They had all the time in the world. Of course, they all met together. They had nothing to do. I have lots of things to do, so I don't have to take this seriously. That is a lie. These guys had stuff to do. These guys were working folk. Look through Acts. You had people who were actually had occupations other than praise and worship. But they devoted themselves. Why? Because there's something of the kingdom in them that is drawing them to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. They're ordering their lives. It's not that they all quit their jobs and had nothing to do. It's that they found ways to do the me, we, and you of community within their occupations because they understood there is an ordering of my life that is now required as I've entered into the kingdom of God. And the reality is if I don't to order my life that way, I will never grow into maturity. Some of us have ordered our lives in a way that makes perfect sense to any non-Christian. We tack on a Sunday morning and we wonder why we're consistently stalling in faith. You're not ordering your life in accordance with how the Bible allows us to order our lives. It's not because God wants to fill your schedule so that you never have time to do anything. In fact, he, he gives us the wisdom to do lots of things as we order our lives his way. But it's because God knows you need more to your life than your work and your social things and a little bit of church in order to be the person you were made to be. You'll always grow a little bit slower than you're meant to unless we learn how to order them. They devoted themselves. It's a strong word. I'm not just saying this because I lead a church, so I'm like, make sure you guys come to church all the time. I'm saying this because I genuinely believe that there's something that God is wanting to shape in us that is incredibly countercultural. 
I don't want to build a church where you guys have no time to be with anybody outside of the church because we filled your schedule. That's why we're incredibly intentional, by the way, as the church, to only have a few meetings that are specifically organized for our community. We want to leave lots of space for people to connect intentionally with one another and with their friends outside of the church. We want to create that space. But that doesn't mean that we don't think fellowship is important. We're just giving you leg room to stretch your own legs in the creating of that. They devoted themselves. In the local, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I want to be careful about this because I'm having so many conversations with people who are celebrating the last season that had some strengths to it, but have specifically said to me, I loved COVID because I could pick and choose which preachers I would learn from, and that's been really fun. Now, we are in a season that is a gift that you can learn from preachers all over the world. I encourage you to do so. If you want some ideas, I can recommend some amazing preachers, people who walk with Jesus, who know him intimately, and who are great to learn from. But the problem is, if we devote ourselves to any teaching that we just like, we pick and choose, oh, let me look at that sermon time. Mm, I don't really want to grow in generosity. Let me look. Miracles, that's the one for me. When we do that, we create a very self-centered Christianity that, again, cannot lead us to maturity because we are governing what we are taught based on the titles that we see, based on the preacher's name. That Oh, I don't like that guy. He's a little bit too radical for me. I want this guy. No, there's something that God intense for us in the local which is we walk together in the local you don't get only flour and no butter you get all the ingredients as you walk together I want to say this to you humbly for those of you who are at the table by all means listen to preaching from all over the world it is a gift there are some amazing people who I watch and learn from so I'm not saying don't do that but uh, what I'm saying is there is incredible something's going on with this mic I don't know what it is but if there's something going on feel free to fix it otherwise I'm going on (laughs) but there is something incredibly powerful in being the community of God in a locality where we learn again and again, week by week by week, not just the power week or the presence week or the promise week, but the persecution week and the prayer week and the pe- Why? Because all of those are leading us to maturity. If this isn't your church and you're at a different church, learn from the preachers there, week in, week out. The sermons you miss, listen to them. Because there's power in not being the one to pick and choose what you're fed, but in eating a well-rounded diet of what you're given. There's, there's something really good about that. Yeah. Okay, let's quickly do me, we, you. We're almost there. Me. There's an element of Christianity that no one else can do for you. I can't eat breakfast for you. Katia, I'm really busy today. Do you mind eating two breakfasts? That will help me. (laughs) Some of us are so malnourished in the church because we're actually doing that with our spirituality. You eat double, I'll take some of yours. It'll nourish me somehow. Uh, You're skipping ahead to the we element, which is important, but you're entirely malnourished in the me element. You need to eat food for you. 
I want to say this gently, but I felt Holy Spirit speak to me about this in the worship time. Some of us are living our Christianity as if we have an eating disorder. That we're, we're starving ourselves repeatedly. Um, and as I'm saying this, and I felt this in worship, I feel like God wants to heal some physical eating disorders in our midst. You might be someone in this room who I'm speaking to you right now. I don't know. God didn't give me any names of any people, so I don't know. But what I do know is that he spoke to me about wanting to heal eating disorders. And I felt him say to me, as people um, become spiritually nourished by breaking the eating disorder that they've given themselves in starvation, they will find that their eating disorders in the, in the physical are completely broken and healed. And so I want to say to you, if that's you right now, why don't we all just close our eyes? Is this okay? Why don't we just close our eyes in this moment? I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but you can if you want to. I'm the only person with my eyes open in this room. I, if this is speaking to you, feel free to just put out your hands. But in the name of Jesus, we break the power of eating disorders. We break any compulsion to either eat or not to eat. And in the name of Jesus, we just silence the lies that are being spoken over men and women in this room who struggle in areas of food, whatever it might be. And I just, for each and every one of you who's responding to this, I speak to you a hunger for the word. I speak to you that you would start reading scripture and you would find the more that you nourish yourself in scripture, the more you nourish yourself in intimacy with Jesus, that the chains of eating disorders, the shame of eating disorders would be broken in the name of Jesus. We speak life, we speak health. Healthy nourishment over each and every one of you in Jesus' name. And I'm speaking to online community. If you're someone who struggles with an eating disorder, in the name of Jesus, I break the back of the chains of any disorder with eating. And I speak to you, hunger for word, hunger for prayer, hunger for the presence of Jesus. And as you nourish spiritually, you will be nourished physically and something of that brokenness will be healed in Jesus' name. Okay, the mean. No one can be a surrogate eater for you. You've got to feed yourself. There's a personal intimacy that each of us are invited to that no amount of turning up at different meetings is going to do the job for you. Why? Because it's not something that everyone else can do for you. No amount of me turning up at restaurants is actually going to feed me. I've got to eat for myself. It's not just putting myself in the path of that environment. It's me choosing to eat myself. Them receiving from the apostles' teaching was a very personal thing. No one can receive for you. You've got to receive for you. You've got to receive freedom for you. You've got to receive wise advice for you. You've got to receive courage for you. No one can do that for you. There is a very real me element to being the people of God. And for some of us, we're consistently abdicating responsibility and wondering why we're constantly in battle with the enemy. Because if you abdicate responsibility for your own spiritual health, what you're saying to the enemy is feel free to do whatever. I'm not taking any responsibility. Stop it. Who are you abdicating to? Who do you think has responsibility for the thoughts in your head? Who do you think has responsibility for stewarding the calling on your life? Because it's not me. 
One day when we meet with Jesus and he says to us, I gave you two talents, what did you do with it? He's not going to like the answer of, you know what, I was at the table. I don't think Katya's a very good preacher. So I might not be. That's not the point. It's irrelevant. That's why my two talents only stayed at two. Mm, that's not how it works with the talents. You can't abdicate it. So there's a very me, real me element. For some of you, this is all you need to hear today. You need to go home and do some business with God. You need to put into your routine, reading the word. You might not feel like it. I don't always feel like eating, but I recognize that it's something important to do. I, I was reading a friend of mine, Dylan Long, was talking about this on social media. There are some really great things on social media. Thank you, Dylan, for this. He was saying, I don't remember the meal I had two weeks ago. It doesn't matter. It did what it was intended to, which is nourish my body. Sometimes we so over emotionalize what should happen when we read scripture. As if every time I have to feel goosebumps for it to have taken effect. That's not true. Every time I eat food, I don't feel like this is a glory moment. Sometimes I do and it's a really good meal and it's beautiful when Julian cooks a delicious meal. But sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's just functional. Doesn't make it ineffective. It's nourishing your body. Read the word. Read scripture. If you feel goosebumps, if you don't, it doesn't matter. There's something of nourishing that's happening when you do it in faith. I'm not saying become a legalist around reading the word and if you skip today, then you can't approach Jesus. That's a lie. What I'm saying is you're doing it for your own health. And every time we read, we can say, there are sometimes I read scripture. Do you know what my very spiritual response is? Jesus, that was weird. <laughs> That's the only prayer I have after that. I don't know what was going on. None of that makes sense. That was really odd. By the way, Jesus, what you told Isaiah to do, weird. Please don't tell me to do that. <laughs> Move on. That's okay. It's nourishing me. It's doing something inwardly. Invite Holy Spirit every time you read. This is very practical how I read the Bible. I open my Bible. I like to follow a pattern. Don't just pick and choose the scriptures you like. You will become immature. You're only picking two or three ingredients out of a list of about 100. Don't do that. So it's good to follow a pattern, whether it is you read chronologically, whether you read through how it's written in the Bible. Whether There's loads of different plans. If you want ideas, come and speak to me. But read through a plan so that you're not just picking and choosing what you like. But as we do that, I open my Bible to wherever I am in the plan. Right now I'm reading actually through the whole book of Proverbs because I feel it's a season to engage with wisdom. Every day I open it, just invite Holy Spirit before I pray. Why? Because I need Holy Spirit revelation to understand the words of scripture. Some people only translate the Bible through their human wisdom. They will not be able to walk through the promises of the Bible through human wisdom. You need supernatural wisdom for that. So I invite Holy Spirit, please come and help me understand what I read. Please come and make it alive to me. Please come and let it shape my heart today. Then I start reading. And often what I like to do is read until something snags me. Something just catches me. Then I stop and I just meditate on that. Why did this catch me? What's on this for me today? 
And then I try to just digest that through the day. Very simple. You're going to ask lots of people in here. Lots of people will give you different advice. But if you don't know, this is a good way to start. If you've never read the Bible, start in the New Testament. It's slightly easier to engage with than the Old Testament, although the Old Testament is my favorite. I'll let you know that. But anyway, start with Matthew. Read one chapter. It's broken up into chapters. Read one chapter and invite Holy Spirit. Please, Holy Spirit, you're the author here. Help me understand this. Okay. That's the me. No one else can do it for you. Pray. If you don't know how to pray, it's a conversation. Say, Lord Jesus, hi. Fill my day. I don't know what else to say. I need help. I'm tired. I find prayer boring. Jesus, help me. That's a really great prayer to start with. You'll find that your conversations increase over time. It's beautiful. It's a gift. Feed yourself. Don't look at someone else praying. Bless you. Sometimes we gather at prayer meetings, and this is beautiful, actually. People come who just don't know how to pray, but want to be there. I want to really commend that. It's beautiful. But then don't just stand there and watch someone else pray. That's boring. Pray yourself. You don't need to use spiritual language. I often say, hi, Holy Spirit, because that's how I would speak to a friend of mine. I often like comment on things that I see with Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's what I would do if Julian was next to me. That, that thing is really cool. That thing is really weird. Hey, look at that. I, I'm talking to him because he's my friend and he talks back to me. There's something called listening prayer. It's really good. Say hi. Say to him, I want to hear you. Help me hear you. When I do that, I like to focus on who I know Jesus to be. Because then I know that what I'm hearing is filtered through something that is true. That's important to do that. Don't do listening prayer with nothing in your head. Because you can't filter sometimes. So that it's good to have an image of who Jesus is. I see a Jesus up on a throne in heaven. That's what the Bible tells me. That you're seated in throne, angels worshiping you. I want to hear you. Please speak to me, listening prayer, and then be quiet for a little while. See what happens. Maybe nothing, maybe something. Okay, me, that's enough on me. We, they devote themselves to fellowship. Fellowship is something really godly to devote yourselves to. That's why we do coffee at the beginning. It's not just because we need a warm-up time and I need caffeine, although I do, but because we actually value fellowship, because it's a biblical ingredient, because in those moments of connecting with one another, real hearts are being shared. Come, come at 10. In fact, don't come at 10, come at 9.30, because we have a prayer meeting at 9.30 for 20 minutes, and it's really fun. But don't come at church just 10.15, sneak in the back of the meeting, that's good, I'm out at 12. Stay to talk to people, to connect with people. Open up your life, and open up your home. We saw it, temple and home. There's a reality, a dual reality for the people of God. The we isn't so much just a meeting moment, but a sharing lives with one another. One of my favorite moments a couple of weeks ago, Loana was, Loana who was singing up here, she'd left something at our house in midweek group. We have groups that meet on Wednesday evenings. If you're not part of one, I want to encourage you, be part of one. There are places where family happens, where you share lives and hearts with one another, where you open up genuinely together in a way that you can't on a Sunday morning practically. But Loana had left something at our house on Wednesday evening, so she came to pick it up on Thursday morning. 
and I didn't have much to do. I was with the kids. She didn't have much to do that morning. So it was kind of an impromptu, do you want to come in for breakfast? We had a little chat and a coffee. It was such an encouragement to me. It refreshed me so much. I can't tell you how encouraged after that moment I was with you. It was so beautiful. It encouraged the kids. They loved chatting with Loana. Those moments are gold. Sometimes we're like, oh, the hour of prayer is gold. That's just frivolous. No, it's part of the essential ingredients of maturity. Don't ignore fellowship as something that's frivolous for the people who don't have anything else to do with their time. That's not true. You need to connect with the people of God. The we of community is important for your maturity. It's important for people to say something that irritates you sometimes. That's good for you. That leads to maturity. It's good. That's not a reason to bounce out of church, which is what immature Christians do. It's a reason to lean into community. Yeah. Hey, that thing really annoyed me. Why did it annoy me so much? Let me learn how to do brave conversations as a mature believer of God. Hey, can I talk to you before I talk to 10 other people about processing my wounded emotions? That's not biblical, by the way. Speak to the person who offended you. Then figure out why did it offend me so much? What area of immaturity is in my heart? That was so riled up by this person's random comment. Maturity. Find yourself people who will set pace for you in ordinary life. That's the point of the we. Years ago, before I, I married Julian, um, a group of friends um, in the church that I was, we loved running together. And we would set a time, we would meet in the park. I was li living in London at the time. We would meet in the park, rain or shine. We just knew it was 7 a.m. running time. We're doing that. And often I would run without my phone, which means halfway through the walk, I wouldn't be able to say, if I suddenly decided as I was leaving my house, I don't want to do it anymore, I have no way of contacting them. And you just got to turn up. Like, that's just the way it goes. And that pressure would mean that we all turned up. And we ran together. And we actually prayed together as we were. It was it's one of the highlights still of my 20s doing that. Running alone is hard to keep consistent. Ah, it's raining today. I'm not going to do it. My leg hurts today. I'm not going to do it. I feel hungry. Let's go get something to eat instead. That, yes, that's, what <laughs> that's what happens when you're running alone. Because there's no sense of why I should do it. But when you've got a running buddy, ah, they're going to be there. I better turn up then. And on the days that you feel like it, you turn up. On the days that you don't feel like it, you turn up. Why? Because someone else is setting pace with you. The we of community is essential. If you're trying to do it alone, you will not go far. Right. Sometimes they say, go alone, go fast. You won't go fast either. Huh. You'll go fast for two paces and then you'll blow up. <coughs> there are Christians who are derailing their destiny left, right, and center. One of the reasons is they keep bouncing out of community because rather than dealing with their offenses in community, they use their offenses as justification for bouncing out. They're consistently derailing their destiny every two, two paces. They're not going fast. They're going nowhere. So don't say to me, oh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. No. If you go alone, you're not going anywhere. If you want to go fast and far, go with others. 
If you want to sit down in immaturity, go alone. That, those are the choices. There, there can be no lone players in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. Listen, if Jesus decided to walk with disciples, I think you and I need a community. If Paul kept traveling in community and when he was on his own, went to find community, I think you and I need it. Whenever you see someone ministering on their own, which you do very occasionally, normally they're partners. Jesus sent out people two by two. Why? Because he knew if they went alone, they'd get discouraged within about five seconds. They'd get tired. They'd get distracted. They'd sit down. They wouldn't go anywhere. So he sends them with a running partner, every single one of them. Go in community. You're going to need it. He's not, he doesn't just like the idea. He understands it as an essential ingredient to destiny. And whenever you see in the book of Acts, they often go two by two or they're going in groups. But when they go alone, they quickly find community or call for help. Philip's on his own in Samaria because they've all been scattered by persecution. What does he do? He calls the apostles for help. Why? You're not meant to do it alone. Go in community. Do your life in community. Your day by day, do it in community. When we were praying for anxiety, I turned to Alex. Find an Alex in your life, everybody. I turned to Alex and I said, I've been struggling with anxiety the last few weeks. Please pray for me. Some, some of us in those moments were praying for ourselves when actually there's a key to our breakthrough with someone else praying with us. Buddy up. Find other people to pray for you. It will refresh you. It will mature you. It will strengthen you. It will encourage you. Fellowship is not for those who've got nothing else to do with their time. Fellowship is for those who are serious about their destiny. They broke bread together. We, we break bread together a lot. Why? I don't fully understand how communion works. I'll be honest with you. Some of you are like, our pastor doesn't know everything. No, I don't. I don't get how it works, but I know it must be important because Jesus told us to do it. And so we're committed to breaking bread with one another as a sign of our unity, as a sign of our participating in Christ, not just imitating him, participating with him and inviting the presence of God to do whatever he wants to do as we break bread together. The we and they, they sold their possessions and belongings. And this, this overlaps between the we and the you because there is a group element, but the reality is there's a lot of you element that isn't personal gain, but is about others. I want to say this to you. This isn't selling your possessions, giving it all away. For some of you, that is what you're called to do. I don't want to totally water it down. Like it, for some of us, that's what God is going to call us to do to get rid of our stuff, to give to others, to live with such radical generosity. For some of us, he's not asking you to give everything. In fact, when you look a little bit later on, there's another uh, section, it's in chapter four, I believe, where they, they're, they're selling land and giving the money to, um, to the apostles to use within the community. And then it moves to chapter five, I believe, where there's a couple who sell their land, keep back some of the money, um, but pretend they've given all of it. And then there's this conversation that happens, which is, why did you pretend you gave all of it? It was yours to do whatever you wanted. 
There's no compulsion in this community. If you have something, you better sell it and give them. That's not how it works. It, faith needs to be engaged. But sometimes when we talk about faith being engaged, all of us sit back and go, well, until the Holy Spirit really puts it on my heart, I'm not going to do anything about it. Julian really spoke about generosity, but I don't feel moved by the Spirit. Sometimes we need to look at principles in Scripture and go, whether I'm moved or not, I recognize this principle and I'm going to enter into it. Okay, So I want to encourage us. We're a generous community wanting to engage in faith. So I'm not suggesting you all run out, empty your bank accounts and come back with money, although you're welcome to do that if faith inspires that in you. Okay, We've done that in our lives where we've emptied everything we've got. It's gone. All of it gone. It's a sowing moment. It's beautiful, but you want to engage faith in those moments, right? But generosity is a principle whether you're moved by the Spirit or not. Ask Holy Spirit to move you, but be generous. They're, they're constantly the you of the community. They're finding people with need and they're giving of their resources. Find people in need and give of your resources, both in this community and outside. They're giving in ministry to you, to the others. There's everywhere in this book, there's consistent encounters with people who needed something and the people gave. Whether it was physical healing, whether it was preaching an encounter with Jesus, whether it was money, all are equally part of the you. Let's not be a community who only preach at the city and never extend our hand of generosity to the city. But also, let's not be a church that only ever extend a hand of generosity and are shy to mention the name of Jesus. Both are required. The me, the we, the you. What do you need to work on this week? I know there's lots I need to work on. But I want to mature in Christ. I want to run my race well. I want you to run your race well. And to do that, we need to allow this word to shape us. Don't pick and choose it. Let's stand together. We're going to land. I hope you guys are doing well. Holy Spirit, none of this can be done by our own strength. No lasting change came from someone trying harder. And so invite you, Spirit of God, come and land on hearts with truth this morning. I pray, come and shape us. Allow this word to shape us. I want to say to you kindly and humbly, some of you are uh, popping in and out of church like it's a restaurant that you like to eat at. Don't do that. There's a we element that God is speaking to you about this morning. What does it look like for you to actually belong in local community. That is a biblical ingredient. Don't abdicate it. Don't double up on another ingredient as if that's okay. It's not. It will slow down and hinder your maturity. If this isn't the community for you, find another community to give yourself to. To give of yourself, to pour out your resources of your time, your energy, and yes, indeed, your money to bless that local community. I want to encourage that. If this is the place you feel you belong, ask Holy Spirit, what does it actually look like for me to walk with the people at the table? Some of you are so good at that. God bless you. But you're hoping that I eat enough for all hundred of us.
and then feed you on Sunday morning. Intimacy is a personal thing. I can't, I cannot give you intimacy with Jesus. That's your responsibility. Holy Spirit, come and transform us through your word. Come and mature us as a community. Come and give us discernment as people of God to filter what we watch. And if it's not biblical, to walk away, not allow ourselves to be fed by things that are immature in and of themselves. Holy Spirit, I pray for each of us that we would steward the talents that you've given us to see them multiplied. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would empower each and every one of us to run the race that is set before us in such a way that we will hear your well done, good and faithful servant. You have run well. Come and speak to us this week. The me, the we, the you of community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to encourage you guys, come tonight. It is going to be powerful. We're going to meet with Jesus and we're going to love on him. I want to encourage you, come on Wednesday evening. We've not just put this as a random thing to fill your calendar. I believe Brian is going to minister to us powerfully. If you need healing in your body, come with faith. He's seeing so many miracles. We come with faith every time we approach God. This is a beautiful moment again to come with faith and say, Holy Spirit, please come and heal me. Come with faith. He's going to minister to us on Wednesday evening. But come with faith to be equipped to do the work of ministry. That's the point of having gift ministries in, that we're equipped to do the very work that God has intended for us. And then come ready to hit the streets on Sunday with the love of Jesus. There's so much going on for us that can actually totally transform us and the city around us if we engage with it. So love you guys. Excited for all that's ahead. This is the Sunday Morning Podcast from The Table, Boston, where you'll find the latest teachings from our Sunday meetings. Find more from us at thetableboston.com.